Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. I want you to do something for me, church. I want you to grab onto the edge, not grab onto the person next to you. Just grab onto the edge of your chair. Come on. Grab onto the edge of your chair. Avoid the person next to you because that might get a little awkward. The reason I want you to do this is because I am pumped for this morning. And you never know what happens when I'm pumped. Because we're going to be looking into what is important to us as a church. Are you still holding on? Hold on. We're going to be taking a deeper look into what are our values and why we do what we do. This afternoon even, we have Kyle Perry down in the valley, and he's going to be talking about purpose in life. So I encourage you, get down there at 2.30. Keep holding on. Because this series is a perfect time to bring a friend. This series is a perfect time to bring a friend. And the reason I want you to hold on is this. As I was preparing for today, I felt like I had about 16 hours worth of material to deliver to you today. James is excited by that. Most of the youth are looking at me going, you are kidding me. But see, then God is good to you. Because what he did is he took me to this passage in the New Testament where Paul was preaching. And as he was preaching... There was a young man who was sitting on the windowsill. And the problem is, he wasn't holding on to what he was doing. He was messing around. Let's get away from the fact that uh, Paul had been preaching for about five hours at this stage. But he wasn't holding on. And he fell to his death. It's true. It's in the Word of God. So I'm not going to preach for... 14 hours today, but I want you to hold on in your hearts. I want you to hold on in your hearts to what I feel God has got a message for us today. If you've come in today and you, you've just grabbed a seat, and as you've sat in the seat, it's, you've just sat there because that's what you do every single Sunday. The reason I want you to hold on to that seat is because I want you to own it today. I want you to own the fact that you're here today for a reason. There will be some here today who have not accepted Jesus Christ into their life. And I say, thank you, Jesus. There will be some here today who have accepted Christ into their life and they're somewhere on the faith journey, but, but the journey has been a challenge. And, and so you come in and you sit in a chair, but, but actually it's been an incredible challenge for you. Today I want you to hold on. Today I want you to take a grip. Today as you grip onto that chair and you can release now, but I want you to be able to say, do you know what? I am here for a reason. I am going to listen for the next 25, 30 minutes and open your ears and open your heart and say, God, work on the areas in me that you need working on. Here's the thing. If anybody in here is perfect, you guys can go now. 
I've shared it before. My dad always said to me a famous word that Billy Graham said. If you find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll spoil it. We've all got stuff on our journey, right? We've all got things we're working on. We've all got things that we can get a little bit better at. So take this time as an opportunity over the next four to six weeks and say, God, I am happy. I want you to work on these things. And it might make you fall out of a windowsill. Hopefully not. It might make you a little unstable in things. But I believe that as God works on these things in your life, that things will break open and you'll be able to step into what is new for you. This series is a perfect time to bring a friend As I said, our preaching team is going to be speaking life and hope into the way, um, into the very same things that your neighbours, your workmates, your barista is actually crying out for. Your neighbour, your workmate, your barista, the person at the car park, they might look like they've got it all together, but they, they desire the very same things that you do. They desire friendship. They desire a purpose. They desire authenticity and generosity and connection and vision. They desire and they want a big hug. Your barista, your neighbor, the person in the supermarket, deep down they even want to know what to believe. I had a conversation two weeks ago with a, with a guy who came into the cafe and he wanted to see me and he, he started the conversation and he said, I'm agnostic. I said, that's great. And he trotted out the line that most agnostics will, will in that he said, it is, it is impossible to either believe or disbelieve God. And I said, that's because you haven't chosen to experience God. But see, the thing is, that may not be their fault. What are we doing about that? When we walk outside of the room here, are we showing people Jesus Christ in their lives? In one of his missionary journeys, Paul Paul pleaded with the church and he said this, how can people, how can the community call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And then he said, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That is our job. People out there aren't expecting you to be perfect because they're not. We live in a time now where people just want us to be authentic. People want us to stand up for what we believe in. To be able to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't get it right all the time. But I am going to give you the big hug, figuratively. I am going to show you a purpose. I am going to be irrationally generous in who I am. I am going to give you connection. I am going to give you my time. I am going to give you what God has given to me. I want to get straight into this and read from a scripture in Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 4. And I'm reading out of the ESV. 
And it says this, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will, and the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced, for you not, will not forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will be remembered no more in that way. I've heard this scripture spoken prophetically over this church on a number of occasions, and each time it almost comes with this cautionary warning. Because this verse, enlarge the place of your tent, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out, do not hold back. This verse comes with a cautionary warning. Because it has the power to both motivate and demotivate. Or more aptly, it has the power to inspire, yet dishearten in exactly the same breath. The very purpose of this word from Isaiah was inviting Israel to step up. In fact, the, the, the passage in my Bible is titled Future Glory for Jerusalem. The inspirational part of this, of this word is that it gives you a hope to start believing in a future for areas of your life that have seen boxed in or have seen barren. Those areas of your life that have, have, you just have not been able to conquer, so you put them to the back and you put them away and people don't see them, so you think they're forgotten. Well, this is an opportunity and this is the inspirational part to say, step up, break out of them. God wants to do a work with those parts of your life. I almost always think of the woman who had the bleeding issue when I, when I read this passage. If you don't know the text, there was a woman who had a bleeding issue for 12 years. You see, for her, the journey between diagnosis, the journey between the first day when she's like, wow, I've got something going on here, to the time when she got healed was 12 years. That's a brutal journey. That is a tough journey to be sick. Continuous back pain, year after year after year. And there's days when you think it gets well, and then all of a sudden it comes back and bites you, and straight away you're deflated and you're, 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 you're disheartened. You see, for this lady, when she started out, we don't know her circumstance at the start. But we do know at the end of the journey, she was bankrupt. It says she had, she had given all she had. She was physically broken and she was mentally destroyed to the point where this woman broke down every cultural barrier that there was. This woman, some would say, had the audacity to stop Jesus when Jesus was going to heal a sick child. Uh, Jesus, I know you're going to heal a sick child, but, but you know, to be honest, this journey has been brutal. The reason I think about this text is because for her, she's going, you know what? It's time for me to step up. It's time for me to enlarge in what I've got in my life. I'm going to give everything I've got here, Jesus, because I am believing that there still is a miracle. 
I am believing that there is a miracle with my name written on it. As she touched the, the cloak of Jesus, inside her head must have been all the, the demotivation of, no, this won't work because it hasn't worked for the last 12 years. There must have been all of that stuff inside saying, you know, I, I shouldn't interrupt him. He's on his way to heal a sick child. But for her, she said, I'm going to step up because there is a miracle with my name on it and I will not let it pass me today. I wonder today, will you let that miracle pass? Or are you prepared to say, you know what? I'm going to step into what you've got for me. Enlarge the room. Enlarge what I have. Let the curtains be stretched out. It says, do not hold back. It was said that the great William Carey in 1792 preached on these exact verses with the title of his message being, Expect Great Things from God, Attempt Great Things for God. If you want to expect great things from God, we've got to attempt great things for God. Earlier this year, my family travelled across to Melbourne to pack up the belongings of uh, Morella's uncle who had sadly passed away. Uncle Richard was 71 years old. He never married, had no kids, and he'd lived in the same house every day of his life. He was born in the home. And actually, it was his mother's home before that. And so it would be logical to think that over a 71-year journey that he had some stuff to sort out. So I set about organising the logistics. I was in Hobart, and I thought to myself, I've been there a few times. I've got a snapshot of what this is. I'm going to organise the logistics based on what I could remember. So I organised a two-ton ute, 40 empty boxes, and the biggest uh, skip, uh, you know, like garbage bin thingy, that I could order without needing a council approval. And even allocating for the 10% of things that always go wrong in every job, I estimated, just the 10%, I estimated that we should have this knocked over by 5pm at the very latest. I got there at 7, I started a good time. And to be honest, at the start of this journey, I was totally motivated. I was actually quite inspired because I understood the value of what this meant to Morella's mum, to my mother-in-law. For her, she couldn't do this by herself. So I had puffed the chest out a little bit. I've got this. Rocked up in the ute. Window down. When the skip came, I was just like, mate, put it over there, would you? And he goes, I'll put it where I want. But anyway. <laughs> 40 boxes rocked up. I forgot the sticky tape, but that's okay. Said to the family, thank you, girls. Connor even came across to help. We'll knock this over today. It's going to be a tough day. But we're doing this for the right reason. We're doing this 
We're motivated. We're inspired to help. We're doing this to help mother-in-law. Dear mother-in-law. I've reflected many times on, on why the journey for the Israelites was seemingly far tougher than it ever should have been. And each time I keep coming back to the realisation that there is a fine line between motivation and demotivation. There's a fine line between being inspired and being disheartened. And it often comes in a thing called the journey. You see, at the start of helping, I was inspired. By the end of it, I was completely demotivated. And it was what happened on the journey. And for the Israelites, I think of them coming out of Egypt. Can you imagine them coming out of Egypt? They must have been looking around at each other going, the whole country's getting like eaten by frogs or something or other like this and we're not getting touched. Imagine when they came up to the, the Red Sea. All of a sudden it just parts its way for them and then they look behind and their enemy is, is washed away. I reckon they must have been incredibly motivated and inspired at the start of their journey. Yet as I preached on two weeks ago, a whole generation of people never saw it into the promised land. Why was it so much tougher for them? And I believe it is this is that on the journey, we often lose sight of what is important to us. In the space of 40 years, a generation of people became disheartened. It was almost like at the start, they expected great things from God. Well, we do that, don't we? When we see a miracle in our life, well, we keep expecting great things from God, but we get to the point where we're not prepared to attempt great things for God. And we can say this wouldn't happen to us. So let's get out of the Old Testament for a while, and I want to focus on Hobart, Tasmania in 2019. Three years ago, the ABS released the latest census results. You can put that first slide up, Zach. We were told that although 52% of people identify with Christianity, 30% of people across our nation have no affiliation with religion at all. 30% in 2016 census results. Why don't you go to the next slide, Zach? In 1981... So a few points back there for those who can't see it. In 1981, almost 40 years ago, how long were the Israelites in the, in the desert for? 40 years. So almost 40 years ago, the same length of time that the Israelites journeyed in the wilderness, that figure was about 10%. So in one generation, here in the country that we love, in 40 years, there was a tripling in those who declared to have no faith at all. You can wait your third one up. But it was a survey done by what was called the McKindle Group, which really caught my attention. Because it showed out of a thousand people that they surveyed, 
45% of them referred to them as being Christians or followers of Jesus. Slightly less than what the, the, the census said. But the 15% there was those who said that they go to church regularly. Out of 45% who said they identify with being Christians, only 15% said they go to church regularly. The next figure is seven. Only 7% of those who identified themselves as being Christians said that they were active in their faith, involved in a ministry or something outside of church. 7%. Pastor James A. Smith says that slowly but surely we have allowed a church culture to exist that has forgotten the why. He says he recently stopped to ask some of his congregation about why they came to church. And he said his heart sunk when he realized this, and I quote, people had no idea. He said they would stand when they're told to stand. He said they would sit when they're told to sit. He said they would grab onto a chair when you tell them to grab onto a chair. He said they would even sing a few songs and listen to a sermon. But when asked why, their response was, I am not really sure because I go home and my life hasn't changed. And it's too easy to blame the journey. That's what the Israelites do, did. It's too easy to blame the journey that life is tougher now than what our generations before it had. My dad just went to church. There was no ifs and buts. Just get in the car and get to church. And we can say that life is tougher now. You don't know what it's like because sport's on a Sunday and we have to do that. And shops are open and we have to do this. 7% out of those who identified themselves as Christians said that they were active in their faith. And we can blame the journey and we can say it's too hard nowadays to be generous. We can say it's too hard to have integrity in our business decisions. We can say it's, it's impossible to love the unlovable. We can say I'm not even going to bother to try and break into that crowd because I just don't fit. What we're saying in this situation is that we're prepared to see our miracle walk past us. We might live in a world that is termed post-Christian, but last time I looked, we still live in a world where Christ sits on the throne. And if you think you're not, others aren't watching, think again. Chuck up that last one for me, Zach. Thousand people that they interviewed. The study showed this that the top attractor to religion and spirituality was not great worship, was not the best facilities in town, was not even outstanding preaching, but the top attractor was seeing people who lived out a genuine faith. Not perfect. 
but with authenticity and integrity and a willingness to attempt great things for God. Those who did the journey well. Can I say this to you, church? And I don't want this to be heavy, but I want to set a scene here. The world is looking for us to stand up for the one who stood up for us. We can say there are so many issues now and and we can say that Christianity is being shut down. I believe, and the, the data tells me, the number one thing that was attracting people was be genuine in your faith and who you are and what you stand for. That's what they're crying out for. That's what they're believing They don't want you to be perfect. They don't want people to walk in the door and see a perfect church. They want to see people who will do the journey well. How do we do this? First thing is, is we activate our faith. We activate our faith. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about various spiritual gifts, and he says all of these things are good, but he says three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. All the other things we do are good. But there will be three things that will remain at the end of the day, and that is faith, hope, and love. Isaiah said, enlarge the place of your tent. The message translation says, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope. This takes faith. This takes faith to do this. You see, faith is about expecting great things from God. Not in a, God, you owe me, but in a, God, what you do for me blows my mind. Who's woken up in the morning and said, God, what you do for me blows my mind? And see, when we start thinking like this, when we start changing our thinking, I want to lift this, guys. When we start changing our thinking to, God, you blow my mind of what you have done for me, It pushes us to want to start attempting greater things for God, to being more generous with people, even when we feel we haven't got it, to being more integrous with people, even when we feel like it's going to disadvantage us. I try and live in a faith zone, and I don't know why some people get healed and others don't. I don't know why. I wish I did. But I do know that there is a God that heals. I do know there's a God that heals. And sometimes that healing comes 12 years into our journey. Sometimes that healing comes when we've got nothing left. Sometimes that healing comes when we're broken down physically and mentally we we're, we're just haven't got it. And it takes us to think big, to spread out and to say, Jesus, I am going to break through the crowd because I am believing there is a miracle there for me and I am not going to let it pass. Sometimes it's deep on our journey. I've heard a preach before. That if we had something wrong and we just kind of like, God, fix this and he fixed this. God, do this and he does this. We lose faith because we don't need faith. Sometimes we've got to go deep into where we are. We've got to go deep into the journey. We've got to allow people to see that we've struggled. 
We've got to speak up and say, hey, hey, I haven't got it all right, but I'm trying. I want to be a church where we say this very clearly with people. We will walk the journey with you no matter where you are at. Do you know why? Because we're at the same spot as you. There is days when my faith zone is down here. In two weeks' time, we're going to do one of the most outstanding interviews when we interview Gemma Milling. Her battle with cancer at 27 years old. I cannot wait. Last weekend, she tells me I've got to go back into the hospital because they might have found another one. I was righteously angry with God. Don't you dare do this, God. I'm about to interview her in two weeks saying that there was a healing miracle happening and you're telling me she's going into hospital. I started thinking about myself, of how is this going to look, and didn't even think of where Gemma was. She gives me a text the next day. Praise God. It's clear. I'm healed. Sometimes it's deep in our journey. Sometimes we've got to get a little bit angry for the one who died on the cross for us. What does this mean for C3 Hobart? Earlier this year, Morella and I shared with our leadership team our vision where we wanted to remove every hurdle that we could between people and them finding Jesus. It's simple. We want to remove the hurdles between people and them finding Jesus. That requires us to walk the journey with people well. That requires us to be prepared to equip, empower and encourage them and be prepared to release them. It requires us to enlarge our tents, to increase our ropes, to strengthen our tent pegs, to step out in faith with our generosity. Our finances have been a little bit tougher in the church over the last couple of months. And I had some sleepless nights. As chair of the board, I take responsibility. I had some sleepless nights. We had a board meeting last Monday night. And the board who represent you, everyday people, said, we've got a simple solution. We're going to increase our giving from 10% to 11%. I said, did you just hear what I said, guys? We're getting less in the can. And they said, good, well, we'll give more. And so we stopped and we prayed and we committed to give more. We committed to enlarge our tents more. We committed to step out and say, you know what? We know that God will provide because we're prepared to reach out to those who need Jesus Christ in their life. Earlier this year, we opened a location in the Huon Valley. We are 100% committed to doing that. We have a baptism down there again. Christine, are you here somewhere? Where is she? Stand up, Christine. Stand up on the chair. Go on. Get up on the chair. Come on. Stay there. Don't fall off. Christine came on Mother's Day because her crazy son Cam brought her. Christine was a little cranky when she walked in the door. 
Mother's Day was six months ago. For the last two weeks in our team huddle before Hugh and Valley at two o'clock, Christine has led our prayer session down there. No one else, no one else prays because she prays like a warrior. And in two, on the 3rd of November, we are baptizing her in dirty cold water down in the Huon Valley. That's why we're committed to it. You can sit down. We're committed to the Huon Valley. We're committed to our, our Wednesday service. We have seen people Wednesday here at 12 o'clock give their lives to Jesus Christ. We're committed to our connect groups. We're committed to increasing our connect groups. We're committed to discipling others well. We're committed to giving generously. We are committed to serving others. We're committed to fellowshipping. We're committed to doing life well with others. We are committed to preaching and teaching what the Word of God says. We are committed to prayer. We are committed to worship, which would be, we are committed to what the early church said in Acts 2. Do these things well. And over the last two years, God has blessed us with numbers. In fact, our numbers have doubled over the last two years. Not so that we can boast, but because I believe God wants to use this church to glorify his kingdom. We looked at census results here. And in those census results, it has shown a decline for the last 100 years. Here's my enlarging in my tent. I believe there will be a time when there will be census results that will be changed and we will see those who step into faith increase. And there will be critics and there will be people come after us, but there will be people who are going to come down and they're going to ask questions of this church because I believe that God is positioning this church to change census results. And you might say that is completely audacious and completely unrealistic. Well, you know what? It says in my word of God here, it says, enlarge your tents, think big, spread out, use as much rope as you need to. So we're going to do everything physically possible to see that happen. So if we're going to do that, then we've got to think big, right? And we're going to make room. That doesn't mean physical expansion of this building. We've been blessed with what we've done. But it means helping people journey well. And so as of February 2020, we're going to be saying goodbye and thank you to this 10 o'clock service. And we're going to say hello to two morning services as of February 2020. Now, this will create traffic mayhem. And so as part of our vision builders giving, we're believing and we're stepping in faith and we've got plans in with council that we will be able to increase our car parking by about 15 to 20%, depending on what council approve. And we could just put more chairs out. And people have said, well, that's going to look a bit weird. Why would you do that when it's full? Why would you go to that? Because I believe by going to two services, sure, we might split for a start, but both of them are going to have places to room to grow. Because we want to take away every hurdle so that those who need to get here early can get here early. 
That those who need to get here late can get here late. That those who want to go to both, praise God. I'm not allowed to say there's a new place in heaven anyway. But we are going to celebrate. And I'm believing that we will see 20 to 30% more people come to know Jesus Christ. And everyone in our pastoral team has just gone, holy cow, how are we going to deal with that? We'll deal with it. Because God will provide in that space. Second thing is, wow, I am way out of time. Second thing is this. Faith, hope. I'm going to quickly race, race through hope. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. I'm going to get the guys back up. There's faith, there's hope. Hope's important, but I haven't got time. But I am going to tell you about love. Because let me tell you this, the journey needs love. The journey needs love. In between the being inspired and the being disheartened, the journey needs love. In John 13, 34 to 35, it says this. Jesus said to his disciples, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Do you know when he said that? He said that after Judas had walked out the door and sold him out. He said that just before he was about to die on the cross for us. And he said, be remembered for your love. In the confines of those two verses is everything that we deem is important to us at church. Because we can run youth. Youth had their biggest numbers ever on Friday night. Come on. Playgroup is exploding. You don't get a cheer for that one. We've had more connect groups now than we've ever had before. We've got more people serving than we ever have before. But if all of these things don't have love, they don't mean anything. Love is not a value we put on the wall. If you go upstairs, can you put that, have you got that screen with all those values on it, guys? Up on our wall, up in the offices, we have all the values that we go by. Love is not one that we put up there because love is not a value you put on a wall. Love is who we are. I want you to stand just with me. Thanks, guys. I want you to imagine for a moment a church that actually cares about each other's burdens. Not an emoji with praying hands, but an attitude that says, you hurt, I hurt with you. An attitude that says, you're tired, I'll hold up your arms. An attitude that says, you're in pain, I'll be there in order to carry your pain. An attitude that says, you celebrate a job promotion, I celebrate with you. An attitude that says, I am prepared to actually walk the journey with you even if it costs me three days out of my week, even if it costs me a trolley full of groceries, even if it costs me time. You see, here's the thing. I completely misjudged 
what it would take to clean Uncle Richard's house. I was 11 tonnes wrong. 11 tonnes wrong. A little more than 10%. And as a result, after two 16-hour days, I was completely disillusioned. I was unmotivated. I hated the world. How in 48 hours could I have gone from being inspired to unmotivated because I lost sight of the reason why I did it. I lost sight that in the middle of there, it was the love for my mother-in-law to make sure that she could get something done that she couldn't do herself. You see, in the time we start a journey to the time we get back here next Sunday is a journey in a week. And what it says in there is that we need to love people. We need to show people love. Carl Lentz says this, put simply, if people feel like they miss nothing when they miss church, they'll keep missing church. But if they see faith, hope and love in us as people, it will be irresistible for them. Our vision is to reach people who are on a journey of faith and to build strong followers of Christ. And I want to wrap this up by saying that I believe a time is coming when we will see crowds of people lining up for both services just to get in the door. I believe that we will see a time when we go to the board and say we have to move out of the school venue we're in in the Huon Valley because we've outgrown it. I believe in a time coming when I'm going to stand on the stage here and say, guys, we've got another location coming. Be prepared. Step up. Enlarge your tents. Make room. Stretch out. Use bigger pegs in the ground. I believe that there's some here today who have never felt the love of Jesus Christ in their life or have made a commitment a long time ago or maybe even recently but by the time that you're inspired at the start you become demotivated because you're still struggling with that healing you still can't break the financial burden you've still got relationships that are broken I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous. And just as we sing this song, we're just going to sing it for two minutes because I've gone a little bit over time this morning. But I'm going to encourage you that if you are committed to doing the journey well, this is between you and God. This is not between me and you. This is between you and God. That if you say, God, I want to do this journey well. I want to show love to others. I want to encourage you, just as we start singing this, take a step forward. It's just a piece of carpet. That's all it is. There's nothing magical about this here. But what it is, it's an opportunity for you to physically step forward and say, Jesus, I am prepared to make room in my life for you. I am prepared to make room in my life for you in order that others may see. So just as we sing this, we're just going to sing the chorus or the bridgey part to what it is. Just take a step forward and say, that's me.
That's me. I want to do this journey well. And you know what? If you're standing next to someone and you feel like you can't get out because you're in the middle, grab onto them and pull them with you. And say, do this journey well with me. Say, do this journey well with me. Don't hold on. Take a step forward now. And if there's no one, that's okay. It means we're doing our journey well. But I'm going to stand here because I want to increase my faith tank. I want to do this journey well. I want my barista to see the love of Jesus in my life because that's what's going to change census results. That's what's going to see people come to know Jesus in their lives. So just as Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.